This is the Poetry Foundation's Essential American Poets podcast. Essential American Poets is an online audio poetry collection. The poets in the collection were selected in 2006 by Donald Hall when he was Poet Laureate. Recordings of the poets he selected are available online at poetryfoundation.org and poetryarchive.org. In this edition of the podcast, we'll hear poems by Linda Gregg. Linda Gregg was born in 1942 and raised in Marin County, California. Gregg's early life was powerfully altered by the poetry of Gerard Manley Hopkins. She says it gave her a special way of knowing the earth and experiencing God. Lorca was also important because of what she calls the mystery within the singing of his work. Gregg earned two degrees at San Francisco State University and published her first book of poems, Too Bright to See, in 1981. She's received high praise from her contemporaries, including Gerald Stern and W.S. Merwin, for her poetry's treatment of grief and longing. Russian poet Joseph Brodsky once said that Gregg's lines stain the reader's psyche the way lightning or heartbreak do. Once married to poet Jack Gilbert, Gregg has traveled extensively over the years. Her talent as a writer has been recognized with a Guggenheim Fellowship, a Lannan Literary Foundation Fellowship, and a National Endowment for the Arts grant. In praising her recent collection, All of It Singing, Gerald Stern describes Gregg as original and mysterious, one of the best poets in America. Gregg advises her students to start with the insides of the poem rather than its surface, with the content rather than the packaging. She has taught poetry at universities across the country and is currently a lecturer in the creative writing program at Princeton University. She lives in New York City. The following six poems were recorded in New York City in 2008. This poem is about visiting a shelter for homeless women in New York City. Lies and Longing Half the women are asleep on the floor on pieces of cardboard. One is face down under a blanket with her feet and ankle bracelet showing. Her spear leans against the wall by her head where she can reach it. The woman who sits on a chair won't speak because this is not her dress. An old woman sings an Italian song in English and says she wants her name in lights. Faye, runaway. Tells about her grown children. One asks for any kind of medicine. One says she has a rock that means honor and a piece of fur. One woman's feet are wrapped in rags. One keeps talking about how fat she is so nobody will know she's pregnant. They lie about getting letters. One lies about a beautiful dead man. One lies about Denver. Outside, it's 30th Street and hot and no sun. This poem was in a book called Chosen by the Lion, and that book is different from others because I wrote it in one gesture. It was all about passion. The funny story is that a woman came up and said, you at least wrote one poem that isn't about love, and it's called The Wait. And the joke is that it is about love. The Wait. Two horses were put together in the same paddock, night and day. In the night and in the day, 
wet from heat and the chill of the wind on it, muzzle to water, snorting, head swinging, and the taste of bay in the shadowed air, the dignity of being. They slept that way, knowing each other always, withers quivering for a moment, fetlock and the proud rise at the base of the tail, width of back, the volume of them and each other's weight. Fences were nothing compared to that. People were nothing. They slept standing, their throats curved against the other's rump. They breathed against each other, whinnied and stomped. There are things they did that I do not know. The privacy of them had a river in it, had our universe in it, and the way its border looks back at us with its light. This was finally their freedom, the freedom an oak tree knows that is built at night by stars. There she is. When I go into the garden, there she is. The specter holds up her arms to show that her hands are eaten off. She is silent because of the agony. There is blood on her face. I can see she has done this to herself, so she would not feel the other pain. And it is true. She does not feel it. She does not even see me. It is not she anymore, but the pain itself that moves her. I look and think how to forget. How can I live while she stands there? And if I take her life, what will that make of me? I cannot touch her, make her conscious. It would hurt her too much. I hear the sound all through the air that was her eating, but it is on its own now, completely separate from her. I think I am supposed to look. I am not supposed to turn away. I am supposed to see each detail and all expression gone. My God, I think, if paradise is to be here, it will have to include her. Alone with the Goddess The young men ride their horses fast, on the wet sand of Pangarites, back and forth, with the water sliding up to them and away. This is the sea where the goddess lives, angry, her lover taken away. Don't wear red, don't wear green here, the people say. Do not swim in the sea. Give her an offering. I give a coconut to protect the man I love. The water pushes it back. I wade out and throw it farther. The goddess does not accept your gift, an old woman says. I say, perhaps she likes me and we are playing a game. The old woman is silent. The horses wear blinders of cloth. The young men exult in their bodies, not seeing right or left pretending to be brave, sliding on and off their beautiful horses on the wet beach at Pangarites. 
I've written many poems about living on Greek islands, partly because I lived on Greek islands for eight years of my adult life, but this one is different. This one talks about the Turks dominating Greece for 500 years. Night music. She sits on the mountain that is her home, and the landscapes slide away. One goes down and then up to the monastery. One drops away to a winnowing ring and a farmhouse where a girl and her mother are hanging the laundry. There's a tiny port in the distance where the shore reaches the water. She is numb and clear because of the grieving in that world. She thinks of the bandits and the soldiers who return to the places they have destroyed who plant trees and build walls and play music in the village square evening after evening, believing the mothers of the boys they killed and the women they raped will eventually come out of the white houses in their black dresses to sit with their children and the old, will listen to the music with unreadable eyes. I lived for half a year in West Texas and walked on the same road every evening at five and wrote many poems that had to do with that time. Also, I didn't speak for four months and just walked in the evening on the desert. This poem actually was written remembering a visit I made to a nearby dead town. Elegance. All that is uncared for. Left alone in the stillness, in that pure silence married to the stillness of nature. A door off its hinges, shade and shadows in an empty room. Leaks for light, raw where the tin roof rusted through the rustle of weeds in their different kinds of air in the mornings, year after year, a pecan tree and the house made out of mud bricks, accurate and unexpected beauty rattling and singing, if not to the sun, then to nothing and to no one. That was Linda Gregg, recorded in New York City in 2008 and used by permission of Grey Wolf Press and the author. You've been listening to the Essential American Poets podcast, produced by the Poetry Foundation in collaboration with PoetryArchive.org. To learn more about Linda Gregg and other Essential American Poets, and to hear more poetry, go to PoetryFoundation.org.